My name is Chris. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. Um, God, it's it's amazing where um, I've gone in my life when I look at uh, where I started, the journey I took, uh, and where I am right now. Um, for me, uh, my journey started back in, in, in Boston. I live in Montreal right now, up in Canada. Uh, I'm an American. Uh, I grew up in Boston in a predominantly Irish neighborhood. Um, um, I, um, I grew up in a neighborhood that I guess you could say was uh, <laughs> alcohol and drugs were all around. You know, a lot of bar rooms, uh, a lot of uh, drugs uh, running through the neighborhood. Um, alcohol was uh, certainly a big piece when uh, I, I look back at my family of origin. Uh, I go back to my grandfather, my great grandfather. Um, uh, my grandfather died of alcoholism uh, at a young, young age. Um, he was 67, and I say young because um, 67, 64, so 67 is young. But um, the, and I knew nothing about really alcoholism and the family disease that it is, certainly starting out in my life. Uh, but when I look back and I, I was able to understand it, make sense of it, and uh, see how the tentacles of alcoholism uh, uh, affect not only uh, affected not only myself but my family members. Um, uh, growing up in that my family of origin, certainly my dad was a uh, a Green Beret. Uh, he was a military man. Um, he certainly was a guy who. Uh, expected discipline in the household. Um, my dad was a drinker, uh, my mom was a drinker. And uh, I'll preface this by saying I grew up in, yes, um, a very loving home, uh, but also uh, there were times in that home that things uh, were, were violent. And like I said, my dad was big on discipline and he disciplined with his, um, his his hands um you know uh, i remember from the earliest uh, my earliest times growing up some of the things that i witnessed as a, a young boy that um and not only witnessed but uh was subject to um uh from my dad that uh, had 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 certainly a profound effect on me um, and uh, a negative effect that uh, certainly helped uh, helped me in ways that I realize now, but also uh, hurt me in ways that I realize now. Um, that violence uh, at a young age that I experienced uh, could be viewed today as childhood trauma. And um, being an alcoholic and a drug addict, when I look back and I grew up in that, that environment of drinking, you know, I, I, when I was, I don't know, four or five years old, I remember seeing my 
my uncle Emmett and my um, grandfather, they were uh, brothers. They would sit in the kitchen and just drink all the time. You know, they'd be drinking in the morning and I, it was just smoking cigarettes at the kitchen table. I'm like, what's going on here as a young kid? And then through my formative years growing up in that household, um, my father would go to work uh, and come home five o'clock and start drinking right away. I like work hard, I come home, I blow off some steam. So I grew up in that environment of alcohol. Um, a lot of family parties, functions, booze was a big thing. And there was always problems. I remember um, being a kid, um, uh, my uncle Ed Conley, who would come over the house and he was funny and he, uh, I loved him, he was awesome. But I remember him sticking his finger in a Manhattan. Now, I know it was a Manhattan now, but, and he would put it in my, my lips as a kid. I make, I remember making funny faces and everybody be laughing. So I was kind of introduced to that environment at a young age. Um, and um, yeah, it, uh, I didn't know a whole lot at that point, obviously. Um, growing up in those city streets I grew up in, and trying to navigate your way through those streets in that neighborhood, um, you know, it's tough enough to grow up, but growing up in that environment, um, let's say I, I, I know when I went out my front door and, and, and again, I, my dad was physical with me uh, and uh, there was that violence in the household. And in order for me to live in that home, um, I had to put up with that. Otherwise, uh, what are my choices at a young age? I got to run away. Uh, I didn't do that. But one thing I did do when I walked out the front door um, of my house and went out into those streets, I did not take shit from anybody. Um, I had to take it at home. But when I went out the front door, that was the end of it. And uh, that in turn got me into some trouble in my days, my younger years, uh, trouble with the law, assault and batteries, ending up in jail. Um, and every time when I look back, I ended up in jail or was in trouble. I, um, or I was charged once again with assault and battery or assault and battery is a dangerous weapon. Um, attempted murder charge in high school. Um, I look back now and every incident I had was, had to do with alcohol. I would see the, um, well, I was messed up on alcohol and or drugs. And every time I got in trouble, uh, that was um, an underlying factor in that. Um, one thing that I guess helped me, certainly in the, that time growing up when I look, look at it, uh, was I, I love sports. And one of the sports I, I absolutely fell in love with was ice hockey. Um, and at the time, there was a guy named Bobby Orr in Boston. I certainly looked up to him and adored him. 
a great hockey player, one of the greatest of all time. And he had a profound effect on the kids, a lot of kids in the city I grew up in. And I wanted to be like Bobby Orr. So how am I going to do that? I have to go after that. And I did. I, I, I played street hockey as much as I could. I was on the ice as much as I could. Um, I signed up to play hockey in my neighborhood, in the city league. And um, I was accountable uh, when it came time to playing hockey. You know, I hung around my friends in the street corner, you know, uh, you know, smoking pot, drinking, screwing around. But when it was time to play hockey, uh, I never missed. I never mispracticed. I never missed games. I was always accountable to my teammates. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, I believe it saved me from um, probably spending a, a, a lot of time behind bars if I didn't, um, if I didn't have hockey. And uh, I was fortunate during those times. I had a, a friend, um, or not a friend, a coach that happened to be a judge in Boston. And, and the judge... I guess he saw something in me uh, that I didn't see in myself. And uh, I'll get tell you more on that as we go. But uh, he was an awesome guy. He was arthritic. Uh, he, he, he was hunched over. He had bad arthritis. Uh, he had a family, uh, big family, uh, eight children. But he always had time. He'd spend the whole day in court. And then he'd come down and he'd be on the ice uh, for practice at night six o'clock practice, seven o'clock practice, whatever it was after being in court all day. And really um, did a lot of good for the younger kids in the neighborhood and try to give them some direction. Um, he certainly had my ear and he was an awesome man. My um, hockey career, again, as a young kid, um, I was passionate about it and was able to uh, play high school hockey, and then I went on to college and played in college. I was fortunate enough while I was in college to get drafted by a team in the National Hockey League, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I found out in later years that the judge had a lot to do with that. He had a friend that uh, played for the Canadians over the years, and um, he made a request to him to have the organization just draft me. He had faith in me as a, as a person and as a player. Um, anyway, um, I end up uh, playing for the Montreal Canadiens. I had a 13-year career in the National Hockey League. I uh, had a wonderful career, won a championship, 1986 Stanley Cup. Um, and uh, I fought a whole lot on the ice. Um, and I say that because it goes back to my childhood and um, that aggression um, that uh, streetwise city tough personality that I carried onto the ice with me uh, served me well in the game I played. Um, and when I look at that game I played, uh, we always had that um, mentality of work hard play hard and 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 that's what we did and that's what I did um and drinking back in that time um in the 80s when I played 
was a big part of um, being, you know, being a National Hockey League player. Um, there's not many days during my career that I did not drink alcohol, um, not just after games, after practice, at lunch, at night. Um, and um, when I look back, I, I, I can't believe the amount of alcohol I really drank during those 13 years. It was a lot. And I drank a lot to deal with um, some of the pressures and some of the pain that I incurred uh, during those 13 years. And it certainly helped me get through a lot. Um, uh, my career uh, ended in 1992. I was married, I had three children, a uh, wonderful wife. And um, when I retired from hockey, I struggled a bit. You know, I did different jobs when I got out of uh, hockey and uh, I, I never found that one thing that could ever replace the passion, the love and the enjoyment that I had um, doing what I love to do the most. And when I found that I couldn't, I couldn't find that passion or that love for something else, um, I filled that big hole in my empty soul and stomach uh, with alcohol and uh, eventually drugs. Um, the alcohol piece had always been there. The drug piece had never really been there. Uh, yeah, when I was a kid, I smoked pot and, you know, I dabbled with different things, but um, I never had that one drug that I was, uh, I, I loved doing or was involved in um, until I retired from hockey. And um, I've had, um, on my body, I've had 30 different surgeries, over 30. And um, from those surgeries, I was, um, I was written prescriptions for pain medication. And uh, I ended up being addicted to opiates and, um, and Percocet uh, was my beginning when it came to the drug scene. Um, I quickly um, learned about the progression of the disease. <clears throat> Um, I started certainly taking those pills as the doctor ordered two every four hours, which quickly became four uh, every four hours, then six every four hours, then eight. And uh, it just took off to the point where I was doing massive amounts of Percocet um, a day just to get through the day. I didn't know what was going on with me. Every time I stopped, trying to take them. I get violently ill, sick, joint pain. And uh, I didn't understand this disease. Uh, I was withdrawing off that medication. And when you come off of that stuff, uh, there is a lot of pain. Um, I ended up kicking the purpose set um, by toughing it out and uh, my own um, headstrong willpower, if you will, uh, the first time. And I, I, I got away from it and I ended up um, right around 90, 
94, I had another surgery. I retired in 92. 94, I had another surgery and I uh, got back on the pain medication. And uh, I just couldn't get off. So I had that hole of no more hockey, no more doing what I love to do. And um, then I had this addiction I was starting to deal with, which I knew nothing about. I quickly went from Percocet to Oxycontin uh, when that drug came out. And the sick part of that is, I actually thought the Oxycontin would be sick, uh, healthy for me. Uh, the Percocet being uh, having aspirin or Tylenol in it, uh, one of the other medications that's in it. And the Oxycontin was the pure synthetic form of the drug. So I figured, well, I'm taking the aspirin piece out. Uh, it won't be as bad on my stomach. And I got on the Oxycontin. Um, and uh, I just, I, I was so sick. I was so addicted. Um, I, um, I went from taking one 80 milligram tablet a day to quickly uh, two, three, four, five, six. And then eventually um, not taking them uh, orally, uh, I would snort those pills. So I got all 80 milligrams at once. And uh, I was a full-blown drug addict and alcoholic. I, um, life was, um, life was going certainly in the wrong direction. I was heading downhill and heading downhill fast. Uh, right around 2000, um, I had met a former uh, teammate of mine who asked me how things were going. He had obviously heard some things. I said, everything's going good, you know, not bad. I'm, you know, uh, I'm in between jobs right now. I was just lying, telling the bullshit line, trying to not look too bad. And um, he said, listen, here's the deal. If you look at maybe to, uh, for some work, he said, I can put you in touch with this guy. He can maybe help you out. And he put me in touch with a guy named Dan Cronin. And Dan worked for the National Hockey League. And he was an interventionist. I know now, I didn't know at the time. And we met and, um, after meeting uh, three times, um, he finally broke me down and made me realize that I needed help to get off this shit. Um, and that was my first go at trying to get sober. That was back in 2000. I went to treatment center out in California and I spent three months there. And I came back to Boston and I started going to meetings. I did 90 and 90. And uh, I was uh, all in for about a year and a half. And then slowly I started getting away from the meetings. I do, I went from going every day to a couple times a week to one a week to not going at all. And that lasted about two and a half years. And I ended up going back to alcohol started with alcohol and then uh, eventually back to the pills. Um, and then around 2009, um, I was in trouble once again. I was on my way to 
uh, driving from Boston to Montreal to see a doctor. I was sick as a dog. And um, I ended up uh, in a bad car accident. I was in a um, SUV driving and I ended up flipping the vehicle, getting ejected from the vehicle and almost killing myself. Um, you, you would think that would get my attention and it did, but um, I ended up being rushed to the hospital. Uh, I was waiting in the hospital um, to be seen by a doctor. I was unconscious. I woke up, I had all glass in my head. I was all cut up. And um, I waited in that emergency room. I was on a gurney waiting to be seen. And I got up off that um, stretcher and I walked out and I got a cab and took it to Montreal. From, I was outside of Montreal about 35 miles. And I raced to get to that doctor. I had an appointment with that doctor at three in the afternoon. And I tried to get there by three o'clock. I walked out of that hospital, jumped in that cab and uh, I missed that doctor. Uh, and I was so sick, I was so drug sick that uh, I ended up just going right to a bar and drinking all night until the next morning when I could go see him. And I did, and I got my pills, and I felt okay. I was happy now. Um, man, when I think back of that, um, how much I did not think about anybody else but myself, how selfish I was at the time, how sick I was. Um, man, I was in such a bad place. Um, I did those pills and um, a week later, I found myself uh, uh, on heroin. Uh, I had done all those Oxycontin. Actually, there were, there were 90 of them there and they were supposed to last me for um, a month and they were gone in a week. And I was, again, now starting to withdraw from the opiates. And uh, those pills were $80 a piece. I didn't have that kind of money to, um, to get more drugs. And I ended up uh, calling somebody and I ended up on heroin. And it was not long after that, that I ended up in a hotel on the floor of the bathroom with a needle in my arm, um, waking up um, from, and I thank God, from an overdose. I had overdosed. Uh, I'll never forget the day I um, injected that into my arm and um, I went right out. And I woke up and I say this, I woke up three and a half hours later and I had been sitting on the toilet when I injected it. 
and I fell asleep right there with the needle on my arm. And um, when I got, when I woke up, I was in a panic and I stood up right away and my legs were numb and I fell forward and hit my head in the wall and um, knocked myself out once again. I woke up, I don't know how many hours later, but when I woke up with blood all over me, um, I was so beaten down, so sick. Uh, and I had kept that guy's phone number, Dan Cronin, in my wallet. And um, I ended up, after laying there, praying to God to help me, Again, praying because I, I was in the foxhole now. Um, I was praying for uh, him to help me. But I had to, and I realized, yes, God will move mountains for you, but um, you know, you got to do the work. You got to grab the shovel. And I ended up calling Dan Cronin and ended up the next day on a plane uh, once again to go to treatment. And I did, I ended up in Oregon, uh, treatment center another three months. And uh, I stayed in Oregon uh, for quite a while. Started going to meetings, uh, got a sponsor, doing the deal the way I was supposed to do it. And um, things were great. I got my life back. Um, and, you know, when I look back how I got sick and understand that today that first I I got spiritually sick then I got mentally sick and then I got physically sick and um I understood that when they treat that disease that they treat it in reverse and I was able to um go and get that help I was treated physically first then they worked on me mentally and then they worked on the spiritual piece which um you know, I grew up a Catholic. Uh, I certainly had faith during my life, but I got away from all that. Um, I got away from God. I got away from religion. Um, and I quickly understood that um, in order for me to get well and stay well, I had to change some things in my life. And uh, basically, I had to change me, not everybody else, me. And um, I certainly uh, had a whole lot of help doing it, but um, I, I had to change uh, my ways. Uh, no longer be that selfish person, all worried about me, me, me all the time and what drug I can get or what drink I can get next. Um, I had to start to... Um, focus on other things and become a better person all around. I grew up, even though I grew up in that family, my family of origin, that there was violence and um, some bad things happened. Uh, my mom and dad also taught me a lot of good things. Um, they taught me about respect um, and, and care for other people. And um, I got away from all that. The minute and the moment I started drinking and doing drugs. So 
you know, my life um, certainly, uh, the, al <laughs> the alcoholic drug addict, Chris, who was sick, and I'm not, again, I, I, I always felt that I had that good foundation that yes, uh, I picked up in my family, but uh, getting away from that and living um, that the life of an alcoholic and a drug addict, um, you forget all that. And that all gets pushed aside. And it did with me. And in order for me to get well, I had to change those things. And I did. Like I said, I had that help. Um, I started um, to pray to the God of my understanding every day in the morning and at night. Um, I got involved in AA and started working the steps. I got a sponsor and I started doing this thing the way it was laid out. And um, it's funny, I started to drift once again uh, from meetings and then COVID happened. <clears throat> And I was fortunate enough to uh, get involved in a meeting on Zoom down in Philadelphia with a group of guys that um, were on 7 a.m. every morning. And uh, there's some such good sobriety. A lot of older guys in the meeting, guys that have been around 30, 35 years, 40 years, a couple of them. And, um, I had felt myself drifting and it and such a negative that COVID was in our lives uh, ended up being a positive in ways for me. And I'm sure some other people, Zoom <clears throat> meetings <clears throat> ended up being the best thing that happened to me um, because uh, I started to drift again. And yeah, I stayed in touch with my sponsor. I would talk to him, but I I wasn't, back in the middle of the boat, uh, going to meetings and um, talking about, uh, you know, my life and where I'm at and being accountable. You know, I remember my first time I went to treatment, my counselor, Ed, talked to me and, you know, I would only identify as a drug addict. And I remember the first you know, a week in there, and then the first two weeks, I would always say, yeah, I'm Chris, I'm a drug addict. Because I always thought when I get out of <clears throat> um, treatment that I could go back to drinking. I just couldn't do drugs anymore. And Ed, my counselor, said to me one day, Chris, how come you only identify as a drug addict? You know, don't you think you're an alcoholic? And I said, no. I, I said, I know I'm a drug addict, but I said, I could always drink, and I'm a I've always been okay drinking. And he said, listen, here's the deal. Do me a favor and do yourself a favor. I'm gonna tell you, go back and really read this book, try and identify. And he said, get, how you get sober is to get honest with yourself, become open-minded and uh, become willing to do the work. And okay. That sounded great, but I had uh, I had contempt for this the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I I didn't want to identify, 
I didn't want to think that I was an alcoholic. I didn't want to believe that. So I really didn't read the book. And then <clears throat> he grabbed me <clears throat> a week later and he went to the back of the book and he opened the page. Um, well, went to 417 and told me to read it, the piece about acceptance. And then he told me to read the line from Herbert Spencer that said, and I love this line because this was me. This was me. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and cannot fail but keep a man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. <clears throat> I had that contempt. And um, until I was ready to dive into that big book and dive into this program, I was gonna struggle. And I always go back and think of Ed and the, the impact uh, he had on my life um, to this day. He's the guy who really <clears throat> opened the door for me uh, to come in and, and learn how to live a sober life from um, other alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, you know, I look back over the course of my life and I, I have so much today to be grateful for. I had a Listen, I had a wonderful career. I did what I, I did for a living, what I love to do for a living. <clears throat> and I ended up in, in a really dark, miserable, lonely place. <clears throat> and it all had to do with um, the alcohol and the drug. Uh, like I said, my family of origin, some of the things I learned, I was taught some very good things uh, in that family of origin, uh, but I didn't apply them. And I couldn't apply them because um, I was fucked up most of the time. And I ended up getting divorced back in 05 um, because of this disease and the way I was living my life. Uh, I am grateful today that I have my children in my life, my grandchildren. Um, I have a good relationship with my ex-wife. Um, I have a woman in my life today who is a sober woman who has been uh, so supportive of me. And uh, I understand today how to have a relationship where there's, um, uh, a normal relationship where um, you're able to work together, you're a team. My best friends were always guys. I had, well, my best friend was a guy, is a guy, but my best friend today is a woman. And um, I'm able to share and, and, and talk about things with her that I would never talk to women before about. Um, and for me, the progress I made in my relationship, um, dealing with the anger issues, dealing with the, um, you know, 
all those old, sick <clears throat> ways, things I was, the way I was living my life, um, I've changed all that and I've had help doing it. And to be in a relationship, a loving, caring relationship today where um, um, I put somebody else ahead of me um, just makes life so much better. I, um, I try and do this every day, although I'm not successful every day. I try and um, help another person in some way every day of my life without getting caught. Some days I'm successful, some days I'm not, um, but not for lack of trying. And um, yeah, I, I, I look at what this disease has certainly done to my life and being the family disease that it is, being the transgenerational disease that it is. And um, I look how it's affected not only myself, uh, my sister, who's a, um, a full-blown alcoholic, uh, has wet brain. She's only a couple of years older than me, needs a walker. Uh, my youngest daughter, who has struggled with drugs and alcohol, um, and I remember back when I, when I was married, my wife saying to me, you know, it's probably not a good thing to be drinking every night at home. And I'm now nah, it's no big deal. I grew up that way, you know. And uh, all the time, not knowing that my three children were looking at their mom and dad as one, a model for a relationship. And, uh, also a model of how you live your life. And boy, if I had a do-over now, I only wish I had uh, learned or understood this design for living that I found in the big books, big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, the 12 steps. They've, they've certainly had such an impact on my life. Um, and and today I'm happier than I've ever been. Um, and I, like I said, I've had a pretty good life. Um, I had a great life, great career. <clears throat> and I certainly went to the depths of my addiction, alcoholism. <clears throat> but today, and I lost everything. I lost everything. I had to start my life all over again from a financial standpoint, professional standpoint. <clears throat> When I, when I get out of treatment the last time, I had a borrowed vehicle. I had a um, suitcase with my clothes in it. And I had about $400 cash in my pocket. And that was back in 2011. And I came back to Montreal where um, I played hockey and I was trying to create an opportunity for myself. And I had some interest in doing some radio work over the years and I had done some and I moved back here 
Uh, I lived in a condominium for about six months that a friend of mine let me use. And I slowly but surely chipped away and tried to get my life back together again, keeping sobriety in the forefront. <clears throat> I did do that. I went from, from that condominium um, in that borrowed vehicle to renting a home at first, buying my own vehicle, and then eventually, um, after renting for about five years and getting a job in the radio business, I did a radio sports radio show every day for three hours a day and um, did a lot of motivational speaking uh, around uh, Quebec and Canada, Ontario, uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, I was able to put enough money together to um, buy my own home and, and get my life going again. And uh, it, it certainly, um, certainly was a difficult task to do that, but what was I gonna do? I had survived my whole life. I, I, I felt like I was in survival mode a lot of the time. And um, that, when I moved back here, I wanted to start living life again. And, and I did. I was able to get my life back in order and, and, and live a good, healthy, uh, you know, caring life. Not always just worrying about Chris, being able to um, have an impact in the, <clears throat> excuse me, having an impact in the community that I live in. Um, did a lot of um, <clears throat> um, work in the community, speaking to kids. <clears throat> and um, uh, every Christmas going to the children's hospital and uh, the Shriners Hospital, purchasing gifts, getting donations um, to be able to help uh, the less fortunate. Uh, I'm always trying to help some cause or another cause today, not just worried about Chris all the time. And um, when I think about it, and I think about the work of God, um, and God living through other people, the God of my understanding, that um, I try and often and I don't always do it, but I often, when I'm faced with something, I try and think of what he would do in a situation like that, not what Chris wants to do. And I've certainly, um, it's taken me some time to, to understand that and follow that on a daily basis. And uh, yeah, I got my life back uh, to where I want it. You know, I. I, um, <laughs> it's funny how I ended up uh, on this meeting and uh, I wasn't sure what it was, to be honest with you. You know, I've done my, I, every morning I do an AA meeting and um, like I said, out of Philadelphia, 7 a.m. here on the East Coast. And um, I just wasn't sure what I was getting into here today. And 
it felt like I was kind of caught in between a little bit. Is this AA? Is it something else? Uh, um, but anytime you can get a group of people together <clears throat> um, and you're able to talk about your life or problems in your life or <clears throat> good things in your life uh, and you're able to share some intimate details of your life <clears throat> where you may be able to help someone else, I can't help but to think um, that uh, it's a good thing. So I don't know if you get anything out of what I said today, but uh, today I'm, I'm sober, certainly for the, by the grace of God. And um, I want to continue that. And I know I can only stay sober one day at a time. And uh, I'm so grateful that I'm in, um, I'm in the program I'm in. Uh, it's helped countless other people over the years. And uh, it's pretty much a miracle the way this thing has worked out. Um, thanks for letting me share. I appreciate you asking me to come today. I, again, I hope uh, um, you got something out of that.